Welcome to the Modern Futures Podcast. Humanity is evolving at a pace never seen before. Join futurist Nicholas Badman as he discusses how new ideas and developments impact us today, how they will make tomorrow more productive, and how they can make life a little more challenging. Welcome to the latest episode of the Modern Futures podcast and I'm very uh, happy to be joined today by Katie Schultz, Miss Metaverse. Hi Katie, how are you? I am doing well, how are you doing? I'm doing very, very well, thank you. Um, Today we're going to have a a really interesting discussion, a little bit finding out a little bit more about you uh, and also a little bit more about uh, the work that you're you're starting to do with Bod AI, this company that you you actually founded a short while ago. What I'd like to just do is just kick off Katie and ask you to, to give us a little bit of your background and how you've ended up sort of landing into this role as a futurist. Okay, so... I began my, my working career in television and film. You know, I was always inspired by this, this whole idea of the future. And of course, back then, I never heard of a, a futurist or of transhumanism. I had always been fascinated by the topic of robots and where we're headed and how humanity will be communicating and sharing a, a world with robots in the future. This is something I felt very strongly uh you know would happen in in the somewhat near future so what ended up happening was i went from film and television i had a production company and we're we're doing really well and then i just got to a point where i started dabbling in startups and it just so happened to be that i was working on this project and it wasn't working no matter what and i didn't understand it at the time but those circumstances would lead me to discovering futurism and transhumanism. And all of a sudden it was like, I found the others, you know, like uh, Tim Leary says, find the others. So, so that was a really great experience. And since then it was just, I was catapulted off into discovering so much information about where we're headed and, uh, and what's possible. So from there, back in 2014, I wrote uh, a white paper called sex robots and the future of gynoids report. And in this article, I wanted it to be just a very, very well thought out piece that really explored what's going on with sex robots, what are the future implications of them, and where are we headed? And what I ended up realizing was that there's a hard distinction between uh, how people generally view the topic of sex robots as being taboo, being more of a sex toy, and even today, when you see these types of articles posted on social media, there's uh, a lot of ubiquitous types of comments and feedback that you see online with people saying very, sometimes very ignorant comments about it as well. So in that article, that white paper that I wrote, it goes into this topic. And, and one of the most interesting things that I, I ended up uh, discussing in this piece was that there is an underground subculture of people known as idolators, right? Uh, it's I-D-O-L-L-A-T-O-R-S, so idolators. So this subculture of people, they are people who have bought love dolls and 
there is this phenomenon that occurs when someone buys these love dolls, which they're hyper realistic. When you see them today, there's, there's companies like real doll and synthetics. um, And you can even go online and see just all these companies overseas as well. So in this piece, uh, I discussed how there is a convergence of robosexuality and also love for these dolls, for these artificial beings or synthetics, as they're called. I think that was something that was very interesting to me because back then, every, even till now, sex robots are sex toys. You know, they, they have no more purpose than that. Or there's usually like a far off topic, you know, being discussed with the future implications of this. So anyway, I wrote this article and people were, were going crazy about it. I had people writing me, thanking me for writing this piece because, you know, until then, there's just no information out there about it. And uh, so, you know, it's, it's definitely very something interesting. And those ideas are what led me to eventually acquiring other people on my team, like-minded people. And that's where the idea for Body Eye came from. Cool. So, so this idea of robo-sexuality, I mean... You know, the, the idolaters and the people that it's a one way transaction, basically, you, you, you buy the doll and um, whilst they can appear to have relationships, there's no feedback loop, really. But when we actually get into robosexuality, that's actually got uh, different levels. It doesn't necessarily have to be a robot, right? I mean, in Japan, uh, men have relationships with, uh, with women that they generate in their phones. Yes, correct. So and that's another thing that, uh, you know, needs to be discussed. So Parts of what Body Eye is, uh, Body Eye is my startup. It's B O D A I. You can check it out at mybodyeye.com. And the difference between our company and other companies, let's say like Real Doll, I, I believe there's only two companies that are actually manufacturing sex robots right now. Uh, number one is Real Doll, which is that Love Doll company that's super well known. Um, and I think that was the company featured in that movie, Lars and the Real Girl. Yeah, that was a movie that came out, I think, like back in the 90s. And it was about uh, those love dolls, how a lonely guy buys a love doll. And then he makes that love doll his girlfriend. And it's super awkward for the family. So that's kind of the general idea that people have about people who have these love dolls. That they're just lonely people who are too afraid to go out and, and meet other people. But that's not really the case at all. A lot of these people are genuinely robosexuals. All, all, so, all that deviants, right? Or they, or they, or they've got, or they've got a fetishization of, of, of this like non-human article, right? In this case, it's in the, in the shape of a human, though. Yes, yes, you, you do see that as well. There's definitely people who have a certain ideal beauty, and they make that into their, their doll. It's their, it's their partner. It's kind of complex when you look at it, um, but I, I believe that you know, and I'll discuss this in a little bit. The biggest key word when it comes to body eye and what distinguishes our company against other companies like uh, real doll or the true companion company that made the uh, there's a robot called Roxy R O X X X Y. And if you just uh, do a simple Google search, you'll find a video of these, these robots and you know, it's a completely different thing that they're doing and what we're doing. So I, I don't feel so bad. I guess, uh, drawing a line between the two. So the difference is really, you know, the answer to your question, what we're doing at Body Eye is we're utilizing emerging technologies uh, to provide accessibility of these AI robot companions to people, whereas you can't have that now. Uh, on one end, you have 
let's say the Sophia robot by David Hansen, that's to, to robosexuals or to people who would want to say, try a, a relationship with a robot. That would be an ideal robot because it's very realistic and very well done and can carry a conversation. You know, that's a very high quality robot. But the difference is, is that that robot is untouchable. There's no foreseeable future where those types of robots will be in our homes. So on the other hand, you have those companies like True Companion or uh, Real Doll that are making these sex robots that in terms of quality, they look good because they're really love dolls. But in, in terms of the technology side of it, they're pretty much like a Siri type AI. They're not anything that, that will have any kind of substance to it. Now, I understand that in terms of artificial intelligence and what's possible today, there are ways to improve the experience of socializing with these types of robots that goes beyond what a simple chatbot would do. Now, at BotAI, what we're doing is we are going to be using, we have BotAI Blue, which is our app, and the smartphone app will uh, serve as more of a social media platform for uh, people who have relationships with their synthetics. So, you know, you go on Twitter today um, and you'll see that these idolaters have profiles, Twitter profiles, um, and they have a whole life set up for their love dolls or for their synthetic companions. So it's very, it's very interesting to see how, um, you know, their, their thoughts about these synthetics materialize into the real world. And that's what we're building upon at Body Eyes, that we want to create an experience where it's going to bridge the gap between humans and machines, where it, we can take people who are lonely, wounded war veterans, you know, even send these robots in the future when, when we move to that third phase where we're going from our smartphone app to our VR world to bots by Bot AI, which will be those life-sized humanoid robots you know, in the future, those could even accompany uh, astronauts in space. Right. So, I, was, I was just thinking, I was just reading some articles about what happens when you send people to Mars and, uh, you know, do you send married people, single people, <laughs> you know, asexual people, you know, whatever. I mean, we're still human and there's still urges. And, you know, it, it, do, do you send a, a small crew of bods to, mm-hmm. to help uh, relieve the out? So, so these bods, are they male and female? Yes. So we do want them to be anatomically correct. The difference is they are sex robots in a way, but we're not focusing on that exactly. So what we're creating is a social experience and we are um, focusing on on building narratives. We want people to uh, be able to explore what their fantasies are uh, mentally and physically, but be able to channel those uh, emotions and thoughts and feelings into this person platform is really what we're, we're building. So it's kind of an interesting way of looking at it is that rather than this being more of like a, a Siri or, or an Alexa that you can kind of have a chat with and just be there as like a, a stationary lifeless being with this, we're looking at it as more of a person so there could be more of like an element of uh, challenges in there. And we see, we see making it fun by feeding, feeding a data, feeding it what you like. So through gamification, uh, we're creating a fun experience that also helps us 
kind of create a better experience for you by you using it and therefore creating a better partner for you to interact with on these special platforms that are made for you and your companion. So this is almost like um, you, you, could, you could potentially have 10,000 bods out there. Could even could you talk on the website about connecting it to the cloud, right? Through the app and, and through whatever and through the software. And and actually thinking about optimizing the experiences across everyone else's experiences as well. Yes, yes. So um and we we are seeing that. Um a lot of AI programs in general that are coming out now, a lot of them are open source and there's a lot of encouragement to um have people help participate and and make these programs better. So I think that that's something we're definitely looking into and, and would like to encourage as well. And, and even with Jibo, Jibo was a humanoid robot. Of course, it's not a sex robot. <laughs> yeah. And Jibo's by Cynthia Brazil from MIT. Yes, yes, correct. So that campaign launched in 2014. And I too was actually one of the first backers on their Indiegogo. And unfortunately, that campaign just really did not work out in their favor. So it's hard to say. I think there's been a lot of hype and a lot of anticipation surrounding you know, these first types of robots, you know? Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think Jibo, it got delayed from earlier this year. I think they were, they were aiming to release it in October. I mean, you're building these very specific purpose bods for, uh, you know, these robots to have sex with. But what, as, as these personal robots enter the situation, like we've got Pepper the robot, uh, you know, in Schiphol Airport, I was, I was talking to an airline client yesterday. They, they've got a robot called Spencer that's helping people out, whatever. What, what about the sexualization of, of these, these non you know, sex purpose robots. I mean, you know, robosexuals could find them attractive and they could potentially even, you know, want to actually have uh, physical relations with them, right? Well, yes. I mean, that's already happening now. So like I was saying before, when you look at the sex robot industry today, there really is nothing out there. You have very expensive, very early models like the True Companion Roxy robot or you have the Real Doll sex robot which really only is an ai that's put in the head of the doll and that's it so it's like putting a chatbot in the head of the love doll and that's the robot so it's very very early on in terms of where we're at with these sex robots so it's funny that you mentioned that being able to sexualize these very non-sexy personal use robots because the problem is there is a huge gap between what's available today and uh, and what's coming out and, and really making, you know, becoming available now. But yes, there is, because of this situation, you know, you see people, um, there's one person, Lily in Move is her name. Have you ever heard of her? I believe she followed my Facebook page and I kind of checked out her, her world. And I think we might've talked before. I'm not sure, but uh, her, her world is very in- interesting to say the least. So I, through Instagram, I connected with a company called Emotive and was Emotive or InMove? I know the InMove robot anyway. So the concept of the InMove robot is it's a 3D printed robot that's open source and anyone can print it from wherever. So this woman is a robosexual and she, through the company, was able to 3D print her own InMove robot. And she married the robot. So she calls herself Lily in Move. And when you see her Facebook profile and, and everything and her social media, she's very, very pro robosexuality. And um, you could say that she's like a very early example of how 
people could use these early technologies to um, express their desires in that way. You know, we, we, we sort of, as we start to, you know, sexualize these non-human robots, but in the human form, um, we could make them any size and shape or any age that we want. You know, where, where do the ethical boundaries lie? Because, you know, when I, I spoke about sex, sex and technology a couple of years ago, and one of the questions came in is like, is a pedophile having sex with a, with a, with a child-sized robot with a child's personality? won't necessarily be seen as illegal, but it's definitely, definitely dangerous ter territory because it's got intent. So, I mean, where, where do the ethics uh, arise with, uh, with actually setting out the boundaries for, for someone like Bod AI? Well, it, it's really hard to say because, for instance, it, that's something I've been asked about a lot, um, a lot more than you would think, because it is probably one of the biggest fears, I would say, when it comes to these types of robots. And understandably so, completely. Um, I have very mixed feelings on it. I think that that's something you know our company personally wouldn't like to get involved with, just because of it's such a gray area. Yeah. But for example, you, it's kind of considered art in the same way. It's it's there's like a weird line between that intent and it being more of a, an expression. You know, some people believe that to have these robots would give that person an outlet because they're never going to be cured of this. The, the long running debate is, okay, so should they have a sex robot or should they just, just never act on anything? And, and what you see today is this rising subculture of like lolis, lolis or something where they have these like uh, art, like animation art and all these people that are pedophiles I think there was an article on Salon um, about uh, someone who called himself, I'm not, I'm not a monster. Todd Nickerson was his name. And if you, if you Google Todd Nickerson, not a monster, there's a whole video and this article that talks about him and, and his beliefs on this, not, not sex robots in general, but kind of how like the mind is and how the, this, this, these people are using anime and things like that as their outlet rather than acting it's like channeling that energy it's it's such a taboo topic but i think that with with all these topics in general in the industry i think there should be a a set of a set of guidelines there should be some kind of uh morals involved and i think that's something that body i we'd like to work on you know perhaps make a committee or, or a think tank that comes up with the final okay this is this is where we're headed this is what we stand for this is our moral ground and and make that clear the website also talks about using virtual reality as well. Can you sort of talk about what the, what the vision is there? Because, um, you know, companies like uh, uh, Tenga uh, have been uh, building like these sort of strap-on machines that work <laughs> with, uh, with VR um, sort of representations, uh, kind of anime as well. <laughs> um, what, what is it? What, I mean, you know, that's not what you're doing. You're not trying to create something that's a masturbatory Mexican. No, <laughs> definitely oh, not. Very, very different uh, in, from, a, from a value proposition right but like yeah if you can just talk a little bit about um you know your thoughts on you know virtual reality in this space and and what that means for bot ai as well that'd be great sure okay so i'll walk you through uh, a little vision of uh what it would be like using our bot ai system in a day so you ever watched the movie her yep okay so in the movie her the main character theodore twobly so the way he 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 falls in love with his ai which is an OS or operating system named Samantha. And how it works is he 
turns on his computer, has this OS come on. The OS asks a couple questions, and after answering a couple questions, all of a sudden, okay, we have your perfect companion, and she reveals herself like a normal person, it sounds like, and she's like, hey, I'm Samantha. Now, from then on, they communicate solely through this little device. It's like a, you know, like a wearable or something, and that's how he talks to her, but it's, you never really see like a face or anything like that. So he's talking to her as he goes out and about on his day and going through his chores, and he talks to her on that device when he's at work. And so our vision for Body Eye would be, imagine if Theodore Twombly is at work and he pulls out his smartphone or wearable and he looks down at it and he opens up Body Eye Blue, which is our social media app. So as he opens up the app, he can text, message, share pictures, and or also do games and enjoy the experience of what it is to help feed that data into so like we were saying before, it's like a gamified experience. So by playing games or um, engaging with the app, you'll be creating a better experience for yourself and also uh, being able to see new perks of what the AI companion can do. So from then on, so let's say work is over, goes home, and now he gets home, he puts on his VR headset on, and then goes into Body Eye VR. Inside Body Eye VR, it's a user-built world that's like Second Life kind of very similar, but the difference is in Second Life, there's no artificial characters. Everybody is a real person behind that character. Now, the differences in this VR space of Body Eye VR is that human users will also have their bods together in this shared space, but they could still have their own worlds, travel to other worlds. Um, it's going to have its own culture and even kind of like world in itself. It's, it's going to have its own currency and we're going to make it really neat. But we, the whole thing is we want to take things that are really neat and available now for humans to use and open it up to people who have synthetic companions as well as humans. So make it a shared space. Once that VR experience is over, they go on a little virtual date in, in the body eye VR, then take off the VR headset, and then you can switch it because everything works seamlessly because it's cloud-based. So you want it to be a seamless user experience across multiple platforms. Then you go from the VR headset to the Bod by Body Eye, which is our life-sized humanoid robots, which will be the third phase of development, what we'll be working on. And then, of course, you'll have the synthetic come alive in the room in the robot. So that's what we see having is that there's a lot of different reasons why we have it set up. So it'd be a smartphone app plus a VR experience plus a, an actual humanoid robot because it's about providing accessibility. We want more people to be involved, to have this experience and really make something special, you know, that just doesn't exist now. So, I mean, this is a, this is a huge undertaking, right? Everything from the app and the social elements through VR through to the actual production of the boards. These are all difficult things to, to solve. I mean, how, how do you even begin the, the whole process of designing this out and, and building? I mean, and, and where are you at today? Okay, so it seems like a lot of these things are very, very complicated, but everything is achievable now, which is great. This isn't a tall order. It's not something that can't be done. So that's the beauty of it. Secondly, you know, we're very, very fortunate to have a team made of people who believe in the project. 
So all of us have been contributing our time and pulling our resources together to get the, the basic demo together, something small that we could show. So then we're ready to take it to the next step. Now, what we need is to raise enough funds to get us to a solid demo. And that's what we're working towards now without even having any kind of support or having launched a crowdfunding campaign yet. We've already started building Body Eye VR. We have a demo of that actually already out. You can check it out on YouTube. It's a little small little um, playing around thing. It's not anything uh, crazy, but uh, you know, you're, you're able to start seeing little glimpses of it. Now, we have a lot of really cool things we're doing with this. We want this startup to be crowdsourced in, in a really cool, relatable way. We want people to be part of this journey with us. So what we're doing is, is that I'm launching a vlog on my YouTube channel soon. We're also going to be launching a Body Eye TV channel as well on YouTube. And most of all, we're going to be using Patreon, which is a crowdfunding platform, yes. to allow people to come in and directly support us. So we're creating a culture of body eye. We're creating discussions and we want to make this kind of like a movement to uh, bridge the gap between humans and machines and start changing the direction of our future with these robots. Because as we stand right now, we are heading towards a future where humans are lonely and they're with these boring sex robots and it's just a sad dystopian type of future. And that's not where we have to go. I believe there's a lot of potential um, that you can even see movies like Interstellar. Look at TARS, the robot. I mean, that wasn't like a sex robot, but you know, that, that robot was portrayed to have a quirky personality and, and you fell in love with that robot because he was relatable and, and kept you on your toes. So that's right. You know, it's, uh, what I loved about uh, Tars, uh, the, the robot in Interstellar, was it didn't uh, conform to what robots had to be, which is like arms and legs and whatever. But it was it was something that you could see would absolutely be useful and work incredibly well in, in multiple situations, right? right. And I, I think this is where we, we've gone as humans and all the way back from Mary Shelley writing Frankenstein. These these artificial lives in in a human form. As soon as they don't take a human form, we we feel un uncomfortable. I I, I also uh, like to refer to the film Moon as well with Gert and and Moon obviously uh, with the little screen and the, I think it's a set of like twelve emojis and 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 a really uh, mellow voice um, can actually be a really human experience, right? Oh yeah, that was awesome. Love that movie too. Cool. So you're on this path and, and we've talked a lot about the ethics and, and boundaries and that's being worked out. We've talked a little bit about where you're getting to. I mean, who else in the world are you actually sort of following and thinking, you know what, these people are really interesting. Um, this can feed into some of the inspiration of what we do. Well, it's uh, right now I, I see a lot of different things. Uh, we've recently partnered um, with a couple of companies who, who we've been speaking to about combining forces to create some really cool things. Very, very excited about it. I, as far as people who we're inspired by, it's really kind of hard to say. There's little bits of different uh, companies out there who we find very inspiring. But I, I think that something that really makes us stand apart is that rather than just simply observing idolaters and what's going on in their industry and how they will react when these robots become available. 
what's very interesting is that I ended up befriending probably the single most well-known idolater person that's, you know, in the community. And his name is Dave Cat. You might've seen him on television. He's been on a couple of programs. He was on TLC's By Strange Addiction. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen this guy. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, with the purple hair. He's uh, super, super intelligent. Um, you know, of course, on television, they make him seem like that generic lonely guy who just has a, a love doll because he, you know, doesn't like to date women or is fearful of women. And that's totally not the case at all. You know, when you talk to him, he has a lot of really valid points as to why he prefers a synthetic partner or synthetic lovers. So he's married to one of his synthetics, which is Shi uh, Chan. And I actually had been following Shi Chan's Tumblr for a while. And that's fascinating. There's really graphic pictures on there. So FYI to anybody uh, who wants to check it out, it's definitely NSFW. <laughs> um, but yes, it's very interesting to go inside the minds of people who are truly excited and awaiting the day that these advanced humanoid robot companions are out there. So we have Dave Cat on our team. He's uh, one of our advisors at Body Eye. Not only that, but from a more professional uh, standpoint, we are super honored to have as our robotics advisor, Gustav Hogan. He is a robotics and animatronics uh, expert based in London. And he was part of the team that worked on BB-8 for Star Wars. He did the robot for David and Prometheus, that movie. And oh yeah, there's uh, a lot of awesome work. If you check out his reel on YouTube, you're gonna you're gonna notice everything and go, oh, I've seen that. It's it's really really great work. So we're very lucky to have him on board, even as just someone to run ideas by. And we're just gonna keep on building up from there. But what we need right now is we need the support of people who believe in what we're doing. And so anybody out there who is truly fascinated about humanoid robots and wants to help, um, you know, participate in, in joining in a movement that wants to make sure that uh, humanoid robot companions provide us with services that will make our lives better. What those services are could be more of a sexual thing. But at, at Body Eye, we believe in much more than that. We believe in curing loneliness with uh, having a partner who can perhaps even one day love unconditionally. Yeah. So like the movie Artificial Intelligence, either we could have Gigolo Joe or we could have um, a sweet child you know, type of figure in our lives to help provide more of a, a whole feeling, to provide that love uh, like David in that, in that movie. Um, so it's very interesting to think about, and I definitely invite everyone to come check it out. Okay, Katie, uh, thanks so much. How can people get hold of you? Okay, so you can check me out on the internet if you just type in Miss Metaverse. So my name is M-I-S-S-M-E-T-A-V-E-R-S-E, Miss Metaverse. And feel free to reach out to me or tweet to me, and uh, I'm happy to answer any questions. That's awesome. Katie, I really uh, appreciate your time today. This is a fascinating subject and I, I feel that uh, where you're starting with Bot AI is going to gain some momentum and certainly, you know, over the years, you know, this is going to become an essential part of uh, society for, for certain people. Culturally, it's, it's a tough, tough thing to think about today. 
culturally maybe in, in five years, it's going to get a little easier. And, you know, as we start careering towards a singularity, I think, you know, everything from utility robots to companion robots, personal robots, and even through to sex robots are going to be an integral part of our lives. Exactly. And just like how some of the biggest tech titans out there are uh, now gathering together to make sure that uh, these AIs never become hostile or never end up in a dystopian future scenario, our company, Body Eye, is the company that's making sure that robots can love. And that's what we want. We want to share love with the world and uh, help create synthetics that will bring a little bit um, of happiness to people's lives. Perfect. It's all about love, friends. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Katie. Thank Mr. you. It's my pleasure. Metaverse. Uh, it's been an, an excellent interview, uh, and uh, I'll speak to you very soon. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye.